Before we get started today, I do want to take a moment. You know, when we talk about being faithful and we talk about living a life of faith, I don't want us to forget those who had been faithful in their life and, and now are remaining faithful as they go through tragedy in their life. You know, we had a shooting uh, in a church in Charleston, South Carolina, Emanuel AME, and um, nine people lost their lives, ages 26 all the way to 87 years of age. The pastor was senator and uh, Reverend Clemena Pinckney, and um, I just wanted us to pause a moment today and pray for the families that have been impacted by that, for the community that is impacted by that, because I'm going to tell you something, if it touches them, if it, if it touches the community of faith, it touches us. And um, we're, we're praying for them. Our heart breaks for them. So I know this is a little unusual, uh, but if you would just bow your heads with me right now and let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we pray for healing. We pray for hope. We pray, God, that you bring uh, to the city of Charleston a renewed strength and vision and empowerment like they have never known before. And we need that, God. We are looking to you for that, for your encouragement and for your strength. It was so good to see this past Wednesday night, just one week after that fatal shooting, they were back in church and they were having church declaring the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because we declare we will not walk in fear, but we will walk by faith. I pray for each and every person that was uh, every family that was impacted by uh, those lives that were lost. And, and I could share all of that information, but God, you know who they are. And you know the families, and you know how they're being affected even now. And we lift them up to you. And God, we lift up the shooter. And we pray for him. We pray for his soul, for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Because your word teaches us to pray for our enemies, to love our enemies. And God, we lift him up to you and we pray for a breakthrough in his life. There are consequences to what he's done and he will face those. But God, I do, I do lift that entire situation up to you, God. And we pray that you intervene and you work in what the enemy meant for evil. We pray that you work it for good. What was intended to be an obstacle will now, Lord, be an opportunity. We pray it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's not just about what goes on in these four walls right here, guys. Uh, whatever's happening in this world touches us and affects us. And I appreciate you allowing me the time to, uh, to do that today. We're in part two of a, a message called Faithful. Uh, last week, we gave a real strong charge to fathers. And just to kind of uh, back up and, and give you a little bit uh, of information from last week in Genesis chapter 15, uh, verse 6, we looked at the life of Abraham. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him righteous because of his what? Faith. Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him righteous because of his faith in God. To walk by faith, we learned last week that we must consistently keep our eyes fixed. On Jesus. 
We have to keep our eyes on him each and every day. There are temptations all around us. And that word consistently is very important because with everything that is there to distract us, it's very easy for us to look around and to lose heart and to lose faith and to get distracted. But what God's called us to do is to every single day, not just on Sunday morning, not just when we come here to church, but every single day, he says, I want you to walk by faith in me. We see it in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 34. It says, blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. The psalmist understood this. Look at what he wrote in Psalm 145 and 2. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever, every single day. And then Psalm 34, 1. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will what? Always be on my lips. Daily seeking God, daily trusting the Lord. Here's the problem. Far too often we treat Jesus as a spare tire. We treat him like that, you know, we put him in the trunk. We're on this long journey of life. And when bad things happen and, and tough stuff comes along, what do we do? We pop open the trunk. We pull out the spare tire and, all right, let's, let's put it on and, you know, here we go. He doesn't want to be a spare tire. Jesus wants to be the steering wheel in your life. As a matter of fact, he doesn't even want to be that. He wants to take the wheel. He wants to be Lord of everything in your life. Here's the prayer he wants us to pray on a daily basis. Jesus, order my steps. I don't want to head in a direction and then say, okay, God, bless me now. Do something good for me. No, God says, you trust me, you walk in me, you believe me every single day, and I will give you everything you need. I will make every provision that your life requires. See, it begins with a conviction to the fundamentals of our faith, and I think in the day and age we live in, uh, you know, we say now more than ever before, but honestly, let me tell you something. A ruling came down two days ago. God has not changed. God has not moved. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Nothing has changed about this book and about what it says. Amen? And we're going to talk about that. I want to talk to you just a little bit today about your response. Because I'm telling you, that's critical. Our response to the world is so important. We can't do this wrong. And oftentimes what happens is you get people out on the fringe and they respond in a wacko, crazy way. And they put the label Christian on them. You know, we've had them go and, and I do not uh, support them. I don't encourage it. And I will not honor it. But we've had people, in the name of Jesus, go to abortion clinics. And, and with bombs and, and threaten lives and kill doctors. And we do not support that at all. I believe that life is precious 
But our response to everything that comes our way as a believer is so incredibly important. See, when we respond with this fight or flight mentality, we are not responding in faith. We are responding in fear. And we will not be afraid here at the bridge. The God of the Bible is the Lord of this church. And he has put us here. See, we, we hear news like we heard this week and we shudder. God's put us here for such a time as this. Pastor Jared said it when he was leading worship. God, help us. Help us respond to this in a, in a right way. God, lead us. Show us how we can respond. And I'll talk about that a little bit more. But I, I do want us to look at the fundamentals of our faith. And they're not on the screen for you, but I think they're important. Here's what we believe at the bridge. What we believe at the bridge is that Jesus Christ is God incarnate. That means he is God in the flesh. He came and lived on this earth. Colossians 2 and 9 says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Jesus came and lived on this earth as a man. We believe that Jesus Christ was crucified and rose from the grave. We believe that he, he gave his life for each and every one of our sins to pay the penalty for our sin. And we believe that he rose miraculously from the grave. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 14. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. And then also we believe that Jesus will come again. We believe Jesus will come again. Why do we do this every single weekend? Why do we have a service where we declare the good news of Jesus? Because we believe he's coming again. Why do we believe that? Why do we believe he's coming again? Because the Bible tells us he is, right? Everything we believe about God, everything we know about God, every attribute of God, every miracle that he's performed is in this book right here. And I believe it is the infallible, inerrant word of the living God. It is the only book with a heartbeat. And I have staked my life on it and will until I breathe my last breath. Amen. We believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. And I know that's not politically correct, but I believe that with all of my heart. Why? Because my grandma told me? No. Because the Bible tells me so. Amen? That's why we believe that. Everything we believe, it is set on the standard, and that standard is Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what the Bible teaches us in Acts 4 and 12. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. It's not just that you believe, because there's a lot of people that you'll encounter that say, oh, I believe there's a God. It's not just that you believe there is a God somewhere out there, but it's what you believe and who you believe in that is so very important. So the key to walking in faith, as we said last week, is the object of our faith. 
The most important thing in walking by faith is keeping our eyes on Jesus, keeping our fix on him, knowing that he is our constant. And that's what we see in Hebrews 12 and 2, that we are to fix our eyes upon him. And that brings us to point number two. Faith must be nurtured. Faith must be nurtured. So uh, it's important that we understand the object of our faith, and that is Jesus Christ. And then that our faith in Jesus must be nurtured. We must feed our faith. D.L. Moody explained, he said, I prayed for faith and thought that someday faith would come down and strike me like lightning. But faith did not come. I didn't see it. I prayed and I thought it would come and it never did. And he said, and then one day I read Romans chapter 10. And we have that on the screen for you. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He said, I had closed my Bible and prayed for faith. I now opened my Bible, began to study what it said, and faith has been growing ever since. Do you understand now more clearly why we give Bibles away every single Sunday? That's why we make that investment. We make a large investment in giving the Word of God into the hands of people because we understand that that's how our faith is nurtured. That's how faith grows. It's by getting in His Word and allowing God to speak to us. So we have to feed our faith. Then we have to flex our faith. God wants us to flex our faith. We were at the Mudcats game the other night. I don't know if you've ever been to a Mudcats game when they have the flex cam come on and everybody's flexing their muscles and all this stuff. And I had my little nephew with me. And, then, and they said, all right, the flex cam's coming up and we want everybody to get up and flex their muscles and you know, do that. And so the guy comes over the PA and he says, all right now, I want everybody to show me their guns. And my little nephew's sitting right beside me and he goes, <laughs> They didn't get him on camera. I wish they had. It was so funny. <laughs> we said, no, son, your biceps. <laughs> oh, we have to exercise our faith. God wants us to exercise our faith just like a muscle our faith needs to be worked out every day. The Bible says in James 2:26, just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. We got to flex it. Why do we go? Man, we got an incredible team, over 20 people in Belize. I think it's the biggest team they've ever sent to Belize there this entire week. And we're going to keep them lifted up in prayer. And I doubt you guys are watching because I don't think you get uh, much access to the Internet. And you're working hard. But we're praying for those guys and, and you, our family here that represents some of those people. And um, you know, they're out there sharing the good news. They're flexing their faith. We're going to Kentucky, flexing our faith, showing our trust in God, knowing that he's coming back again one day. And people need to hear the good news that Jesus died for them and loves them. Faith that is limited to a Sunday morning experience but does nothing the rest of the week is not much faith. When we 
are asked about our relationship with Jesus and we say, well, I go to such and such church. That's not what they're asking you. They're not asking about church attendance or the number of stars that you got on the, you remember when you used to have the little uh, thing on the wall in Sunday school and they put the stars on there for all your attendance. I got perfect attendance in Sunday school. Couldn't tell you who Zacchaeus is, but I was there every Sunday, you know. <laughs> no, they served uh, Play-Doh because I ate it. So anyway, um, see, that's why I say things like that. They didn't watch me closely enough. But each time we flex our faith, our faith grows. And that is why it is good to flex our faith. When we do not exercise faith on a daily basis. And men, I, I, I gave a real strong charge to us on Sunday. That charge was to me too. And believe you me, all week, God said, hey, remember what you said there? Remember that? Remember that? Every time I had to deal with one of my children about something, he reminded me of what I said. So it's a big deal for us to step up as men. But guys, I'm telling you, we got to do it. We can't say, man, the whole, this whole faith thing and the God and Jesus thing, I'm going to leave that up to mama. She needs to get you all to church. She needs to uh, stir us on Sunday morning and say, all right, we all need to go. No, we need to get up. We need to look at our wives and children, and we need to say, all right, guys, are y'all, do you have enough time to get ready to be at church when it's time to be at church? But not just that. Hey, guys, are you ready? It's almost bedtime. Everybody's had their bath. All the homework's done. I want us to all gather in the den, and let's pray together. Let's seek the face of God for this family. Be that leader in your home, because here's what happens when we do not exercise our faith. When we do not do what God has called us to do, we are swayed by everything that comes our way. Every wind of doctrine, every little thing that happens, we are not fixed because we have not exercised our faith and we don't know in whom we believe. You know, my son, uh, you know, when we were talking about it, uh, the decision by the Supreme Court this week, my son and, and I were talking about it and my wife, and he got to asking some questions. And, you know, he worries about his daddy. He looks after his daddy, and we start talking about some, you know, implications and things like that. And he says, Daddy, maybe you should, uh, maybe you should find something else to do. <laughs> we, mm, I don't know about all this. And I said, Son... Never intended on going into ministry. Grew up in church all my life. Loved my preachers. But never wanted to be a preacher. It wasn't something that, you know, not a bad thing. But just was one of those things I never planned to do. But I said, son, at the age of 20, when God called me into the ministry, he knew this day was coming. And this is what he's called us for. And this is what he's called us to See, when we aren't exercising our faith and we're not set on those foundational doctrines of our faith, that's why I shared them with you today. Whenever anything comes our way, we're kind of like, well, I don't, maybe we should believe that. Maybe we should do this. Maybe we should take that out. Maybe we should do... No, no, no. We have to stand firm. Because if we don't, then we fall prey to what is called situational ethics. You ever heard of that? Situational ethics? 
Here's what situational ethics says. It says, I'm going to do whatever is suitable for the period of time that I'm in. Wherever I'm at, wherever I, whatever I'm living, uh, whatever I'm doing, uh, if what's in the Bible applies to that, great. But if not, well, maybe, maybe God didn't really mean what he said when he said that. Okay? Situational ethics allows you to be blown here and there. And if you, if you don't stand for something, what will you do? You'll fall for anything. Amen? Situational ethics. The Bible doesn't say if it best fits your situation, then apply it to your life. The Bible says this is the standard. This is what I have called you to. And Jesus understands that we are all born with a particular proclivity to sin. There is not a person sitting in this room that doesn't have a proclivity to some type of sin. There's some of you that are sitting in here, maybe the proclivity is that you're just not very honest. It's hard for you to tell the truth. And you lie even when you don't need to. It just is something that you've done, and it's like, well, I'm just... So you get stopped by the state patrol, and they say, ma'am, sir, do you know why I stopped you? And 10 seconds ago, you were going 90 through a construction zone. But you go, I have no idea why you stopped me. I could not tell you. We all have a proclivity. There's, we all have that thing that we battle, that we fight with. And so what God says to us is, you can't look at that proclivity and say, well, because that's just the thing that you struggle with in life, we don't give you a pass here in the Bible. No, what does the Bible say about lying? Don't do it, right? It says walk uprightly, walk in, in truth. It says the truth will set you free in the Word of God. So what we have to do is look at the Bible, look at my proclivity to sin, mine. I'm picking on me today. Where do I struggle? What's my thing? One of my things, and I said this last week, one of my things is my temper. Okay? It kind of can get hot every now and then. And I have to keep that thing in check. And when I lose my temper, and when I get upset, God put a wonderful lady in my life who will look at me, sometimes like my mom, and I'm like, please don't do that. But she'll look at me like my mama, and she'll say, oh yeah, now you never do anything like that. You know, typically when I'm fussing at the kids about something, oh yeah, you never lose any of your stuff. You never. You know, any of you men ever had your wife do that to you? It's just like. You know, why are you doing that? But if I look with honest eyes, and I look at Scripture, and I'm saying, me for instance, again, I'm going to pick on me today. If my proclivity is, is being a hothead, and I'm losing my temper two to three times a week, you know what I've got? i got a temper problem. It's not because my kids won't behave. It's not because my wife doesn't listen to me or do what I want her to do. It ain't got to do with any of that. It's got to do with the fact that I got an issue I need to deal with. Okay? 
We all have that, each and every one of us. And so God's calling us to deal with those things, not look at that proclivity and say, okay, let me look in the Bible and either say there's a loophole here or there's really nothing that really applies to me in this book as it relates to my proclivity to sin. Does that make sense? All right, I hope it does. So, as we look at uh, what the Bible says and, and why it's important, see, the other reason that we adhere to the Bible and we look to Scripture and we admonish it the way that we do is because 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all Scripture is God-breathed. God gave us this book. It is his word, and that is why we believe it from the beginning that says genuine leather to the end where it says maps and concordance, all right? We believe all of that, every bit of the Bible, because it is God-breathed, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So again, the thing we remember is we live In 2015, God has not changed. Our response is faith and not fear. And our response must be love. It must be love. Nothing has changed for the man or woman of God. Nothing. It hasn't changed. The way we live, the way we move, the way we respond to people, the way we care for them, the way we speak to them, the way we preach to them, the way we care, nothing has changed. And so we continue trusting and walking by faith. And then, so as we think about this whole thing of nurturing our faith, lastly, we want to fellowship our faith. And that's what we're doing here today. Hebrews talks about fellowshipping our faith. Romans 1 And I want us to look at that passage of Scripture, verses 11 through 12. I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Why do we come here on a weekly basis? Why do we gather together? Yes, it's wonderful to gather together and lift up the name of Jesus. And that is why we do that. We come here to worship him and and give adoration and praise to God. But we come here because one another's here. You're here. You encourage me. Hopefully, I'm able to be an encouragement to you. But it's good for us to get together, to be mutually encouraged in our faith. We need each other. No man is an island. Nobody stands alone. Why do we need each other? Because this whole idea of faith is most surely going to be tested. It's going to be tested. I had a person stop me today before I uh, walked up on this stage and said, I am battling like I have never battled before. I'm telling you, it is just like one thing after another, after another, after another. And every time I try to do right, it's like I just get whammied. Anybody ever been there? You ever been there when you made that step in the right direction and said, okay, I'm going to follow God. And it's just like everything in the world just starts coming at you. 
And then we begin to question, and that little seed of doubt tries to take root and say, see there, you didn't need to be trying this. They tell you God loves you. If he loved you, would you be going through this? If he loved you, would you have to face this? And all of that is a lie. We all face stuff. We all go through trouble. We all have difficulty and hardship. But God has called us to stand in this place because most assuredly our faith is going to be tested one day. I'll never forget the phone call seven and a half, eight years ago. My little brother on the other line. I'm getting ready to come and teach here on a Wednesday night. I just studied the Bible all day long. I'm ready to teach somebody about Jesus now. Come on. And I get a phone call from my little brother telling me that my dad has just found out he has cancer. Now, there's two ways I could have responded to that. I could have got mad at that. I could have got angry at God and said, God, how in the world could you possibly do that? Or I could respond in faith and say, okay, was God, has he moved? Has he changed? Is he any different than he was five minutes ago before my phone rang and I looked and it was my little brother? And I've, I've told him now, don't even call me no more because every time you call me, you got bad news to tell me. I'm just kidding. But I chose to respond in faith. I chose to exercise and flex my faith and say, okay, God, he's got something called chronic myeloid leukemia. I don't know anything about that. I can barely say the words. I know I can't spell it, but I know you're bigger than that. I know you're greater than that. I know you've got authority and power over that. And I know that you knew it was coming and you've got a plan. And you know what? Seven and a half years later, he's still got a plan. He's still working. He's still moving. And I'm still trusting him. And I'm telling you that today to say this. No matter what happens in your life, that phone call's come to some of you. Some of you have received a phone call worse than that. Some of you have received a phone call about a child. Some of you have experienced it firsthand right there with your child. And you don't understand why those things have happened. But our response is so incredibly important. It's important for ourselves individually. The way we respond, when we respond in faith, it helps us. It helps us grow in our walk with God. But it also encourages those that we fellowship with. But you know the third group of people that it impacts? It impacts those that are watching in the world around us that know, hey man, that guy right there, he wears a bridge t-shirt when he's cutting his grass. What is that? Let me call my buddy. Let me get on faith. Let me find out what this bridge thing's all about. Okay. That's some of them Jesus freaks, you know. They they always talking about the Bible. They're they're going out to the apartment complexes and washing cars. Man, how awesome was that that we did that yesterday? Wasn't that cool? Y'all were like, what are y'all talking about? <laughs> the Goldsboro campus, uh, our other campus, went out to the apartments at, at the Legacy 
at uh, Fallon Boulevard right behind Lowe's and washed cars for two hours yesterday. And I did not have an opportunity to get my truck out there. But anyway, that was so cool. But see, the world's watching. They're watching what you're doing. They're watching how you're responding. And they want to see how you react. Your response is so important. I drove up to a a traffic light the other day with my son. We pulled up to that traffic light. We had just made a pit stop and and we, we left the convenience store and pulled up to the light. I had some of my Father's Day Uh, port rinds, port skins in the car. And there's a man standing there with a sign. Says, out of work, homeless. I don't know if he's out of work or homeless or if that's his job. I don't know a whole lot about him. But my son looks at me and says, Daddy, what are we going to do for him? I was put on the spot. Because I had pulled up thinking, okay, I'm going to pull up to this red light. Because I've seen that guy a few times. And I've given him a hamburger a time or two. But I'm driving on today. But my little boy looked at me and said, Daddy, what are we going to do? Because we got food. And we got shelter. We got a place to go when it rains and when the wind blows. And we complain because it blows over our, our grill when we have a gust at 50 miles an hour. But I got a grill. To blow over. And I looked at him and I said, Well, son, you gave me these Father's Day pork skins. We can give him those. He said, Let's do that, Dad. And so we gave it to him. Not a big deal. Probably not that big a deal to him. He took them. He said, Thank you so much. We pulled away. The big deal to me was the lesson that my son learned that afternoon because he looked at me and he said, Daddy, he said, we just did a good thing right there. That was good. We can have all of our preconceived ideas. We can have all the notions that we want to. But sometimes God's just calling us to step out by faith and trust Him and understand that there are things that He calls us to do sometimes that we're not doing because somebody has earned it or deserved it. But we're doing it as unto him. So when we love, we love as unto him. When we walk by faith, we walk by faith as unto him. When we flex it in whatever it is we do, if it's going to Kentucky, if it's going to Belize, if it's picking up a Bible this morning and taking that to work tomorrow and giving that to the most aggravating, cantankerous person you work with on your job but you know God's been working on you about talking to them about Jesus and you're like, I don't want to do it God because I know they're going to be ugly to me. I know they're not going to respond well. And he's saying, I want you to do it. Do it as unto the Lord. Not because they've earned it, not because they've deserved it, but simply because we love Jesus. And that brings us to the last point, and that is that faith breeds success. See, when we live our life that way, you want to know what success is in the life of a believer? It's trusting God. I'm not talking about just running around blindly and just doing whatever, but when God calls us to something that we trust Him enough that we're going to say, yes, God, 
I will follow you. And I will do what you've called me to do because I know you have a plan and you have a purpose. I want more than anything else, at the end of my life, more than anything else, I want it to be said of me that he was faithful. Not that he was the best communicator, because I'm not. Not that he was, you know, whatever. But he was faithful. He was faithful. God called him. When he asked him to do something, he did it. When he committed to his family and to his bride, he walked that out. And it was hard. There were days... She was aggravating, and there were days I was aggravating, but we, we did it. And here's what God's calling us to today. No matter where you are in life, no matter what's happened in your life. See, here's, here's the reality, too, is that where we're sitting right here, right now, this morning, the only thing that we can affect, the only thing that we can change is from right now moving forward. You can't do anything about the past but learn from it. And hopefully you will. If you're still repeating mistakes from the past, you need to get that right with Jesus right here, right now, today. And ask God to help you with that. Because God doesn't want you living that way. But then what he wants you to do is he wants you to be faithful. From here to the last day of your life. Faithful to him. Faithful to your family. And faithful to those that he's called you to serve. Would you stand with me?